New Thought Media Network. We are a global broadcast network of positive music, media, and entertainment. Inspiring humanity's evolution along the journey of enlightenment and creating a world of love, peace, empowerment, and prosperity for all. New Thought Media Network. Positively inspiring. Welcome to Ministers Talking Sh**, a weekly program where Rev Briz and Rev Z and their guests chat about current affairs, world events, spiritual principles, and any old sh** they want to talk about. Based on the new thought philosophy and ancient wisdoms, Ministers Talking Sh** shares a visionary perspective of the evolving spiral called spiritual living. Join us each week as we explore the emerging paradigm of life on planet Earth and beyond. And hello, dear ones. Rev Briz with you over here. Rev Z right here. Rev Elizabeth. <laughs> and we are three ministers talking shit today here on a Friday morning. If you're new to the program, this happens every Friday morning, 7 a.m. Mountain Time. We get together and we talk about, well, just as mm -hmm. the, the promo says, anything we want to talk about. And today we have from Jacksonville, Florida, a dear friend and guest, Reverend Dr. Elizabeth Canty. Uh, she is the, currently the senior minister of the Center for Spiritual Living Jacksonville. And here's, here's, a, here's a big sneak peek, folks. Uh, uh, Reverend Elizabeth is going to have a program here on New Thought Media Network starting right around the end of the month. Uh, actually, we're going to premiere that on April 27th, I believe. Yes. So uh, tell us a little bit about that. Get us started there. <laughs> Oh, thanks. <laughs> so we're doing, uh, I'm doing a podcast, a video podcast, Living Enlightened. And you can see my book in the background there. I just, it'll, the book comes out May 1st through Divorce Publishing. And it is sort of a concise new thought, um, just stuff. <laughs> and it's real intent and purpose is to help you know, love their life, live their passion, let go of stress, let go of the struggle, let go of um, pain, fear, resentment, so that you can just flow, you know, be in that flow of life. And that's what happened to me when I found these teachings and, and these principles and practices. And um, it's, it's transformational to to live life in this sense of joy and peace and happiness, which I know you guys do all the time because I see you. <laughs> and so to bring that in a podcast format, I think is fun. We're going to do all kinds of interviews with authors, musicians, um, uh, people who are really living in this joy and this passion and this peace or harmony. And they can share, you know, what they know with you. So cool. I'm excited for it. It's going to happen uh, 7 a.m. Mountain Time, which is the perfect time for Elizabeth because she's on the East Coast. That's right. uh, so it happens 7 a.m. Mountain Time on Thursdays. So for those that have been hanging around the network for a while, you know that we've got that gap on Thursday mornings. Well, that's no longer there. We're going to starting in just a couple of weeks. We're going to have. Reverend Elizabeth's program in there again, Living Enlightened. Uh, really excited for that. 
And of course, you know, Robert didn't say this. He, you know, we, you know, they had that concept of three degrees of separation of everything. Uh, so I, the next time I'm home, which is Florida, <clears throat> my daughter lives in St. Augustine. She used to live in Jacksonville. I will have to make it my business to make it to your center or at oh, least catch up with you and, and get coffee. Absolutely. I love that. There are a lot of people that actually have connections in either Jacksonville, I'm in Pontevedra Beach, uh, St. Oh, Augustine. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful place to visit almost all year. So, yay. Yeah. Yeah. My <laughs> daughter's been trying to get me to move to Pontevedra, actually. Uh, and I keep telling her, she said, oh, yeah, the grandkids. I'm saying soon them grandkids going to be grown and gone. And then uh, then I'm going to have a problem. Uh, so I'll have, to, I'll have to think about that in another way. But uh, I will do it. Well, here's what I say, mm -hmm. Rebsy: mountains and beaches. Yes. Do it both. Yes. Do both. You know, yes. we're trying, I am really trying to figure out how to do both. We're going to be in Colorado this summer for, um, we're, we're, we're working on the, the details, but at least a couple weeks to maybe a couple months. Oh, nice. Yeah, you can have it all. I've heard that somewhere. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We can have it all. Let's do it. Couple of quick shout outs. Good morning to Lori. Good to see you, dear one. Glad you're with us. It's not morning any longer in Geneva. So, Fiona, good to see you, dear one. Glad you're with us. Uh, Captain Yahoo, uh, good to see you, Wayne. Glad you're with us as well, all the way from Calgary. We definitely have our international audience with us here today, tuning in. So, um, Reverend Elizabeth, before we, when uh, the early part, before the show, when we were chatting, um, you were mentioning that now your book, it doesn't come out until the 5th of May. So uh, can folks pre-order that? Yes, it's available on Amazon as pre-order. I think it comes out the 2nd or maybe the 1st of May, one of those. But um, pre-orders, it's up and ready. You can look it up by Living Enlightened or Elizabeth Canty, either way. Cool. And you were saying that you're starting to get some recognition for it uh, in your local area and doing some local TV interviews and stuff like that. Tell it, how was the, how's that been? What's that like? Um, oh, thanks. I don't know that Z and I have ever had a chance to do that for this show. So we're going to set a mental equivalent here. Uh, tell us a little bit about what that's been like. Well, you know, it's, it's, um, it's one of those things I, I, I talk about it in the book. We talk about it in New Thought all the time is just being in the flow. Like I have been posting on LinkedIn, which is kind of funny because you know, I'm just not, you know, a business or I don't, you know, networking kind of a person, but my, my good friend and uh, mentor, Dennis Marin Jones posts on, on LinkedIn. And I'm like, oh, I don't post on LinkedIn. You know, he's like, you're a post on LinkedIn. I posted on LinkedIn and a local, you know, so there's local people that I know that have friended me, whatever that word is, you know, connections or something. And a couple of local a TV one is like Buzz TV, and and um, one of our local Jacksonville Jaguar former Jacksonville Jaguar stars has a show on there. Tom McManus, and you know, so they, so it's just kind of interesting, uh, you know, people that you know and three degrees of separation. So she just invited me to be on the show after seeing some of my posts and um, reading my posts. I I have some um, quick, uh, you know, my beach 
I beach little, I call them enlightened moments, you know. Yes. And so she saw those and invited me to to do sort of a, a spot on on the show. And I think that's how it happens. It's just sort of this strange unveiling of events that you you're not forcing, you're not making happen. You, you know, when you're going in the flow of life, it's it's strange what shows up. <laughs> and exciting. Exciting. Strange and exciting, yes. Uh, a, 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 a normal comp uh, combination, I think. Uh, well, you know, it's not the striving. It's like, I got to make this happen and I have to, you know, like the whole book, the way it unfolded and got published really was much more, it was a flow of events rather than um, making things happen. I, I'm not very good at you know, nose to the grindstone kind of person. <laughs> I'm more of a let's float and see what happens. <laughs> Living at the beach is a good is probably the good thing then, huh? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Whoopsie, you ended up on uh, you ended up on mute there, brother. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a book by Dr. Sean Jenright, who was actually out of game. He was born in Gainesville. Uh, <clears throat> he's now, I think, he's this semester. He's at Harvard. But he has a book called The Four Pivots. Oh yeah, yeah. And 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 one of the uh, one of the things in The Four Pivots is this whole idea of uh, 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 the contrast between hustle and flow. And he says most people are hustling, but we need to get in the flow. Uh, and so you know the whole gig economy, which I just heard recently, they're they're trying to figure out now how sustainable that's going to be, uh, because a lot of people left corporate America. Uh, during the pandemic and had these gig economy, they had two or three little side jobs and uh, they were able to do it. And now that appears to be uh, stalling a bit. Um, but, but that same idea that you were just saying is, is how do you get in the flow and not feel like you, you have to hustle because hustle is really what it says. Hustle. You got to go all the time as opposed to relax and let the river take you. <clears throat> All right, I just got to say, Z, now it's my turn. Z keeps saying I put work on his desk. But you just put more work on my desk because this, this, this has been sitting in the stack. I haven't opened it yet. Um, it's been sitting on the stack. It might have been the last time you mentioned it that I went and ordered it. So uh, do some shopping today, folks. Go pick up Reverend Elizabeth's book and... Uh, pick up uh, the four pivots while you're there at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. book. And, you know, as we talk about uh, this whole thing of, of the gig economy, I, I heard on the news, you know, as we look at some of the events that's happening uh, this week, the whole idea of people going back to work. So the federal government has instated that people, more people, I think starting in May, will have to come back to work. A lot of companies. Uh, and, and so now, we're going to hit another level of trying to either hustle or flow in terms of how we get people to uh, embrace going back into an office and not being at home. And on top, on top of that, there was a statistic that just came out, said that I think it was last year, the productivity of people working remotely was, I forget the percentage, but some great percentage better than if they were home at, at the office. And so now the real adjustment begins. What do we do with all this real estate that we're no longer using? And people are working from home 
and they're more productive, uh, we're going to have some some uh, very interesting conversations around this. <clears throat> well, I think that, you know, we we started talking about this earlier, um, Rebzi, you said you had uh, your, your daughter um, interned or something at, at, at Twitter back before Elon Musk and, and, and what a creative environment it was early on. And I got to work in a place like that in Los Angeles, where I was saying that it was like, um, it was like, you know, when you go to McDonald's, <laughs> I'll admit it, you take your kids to McDonald's <laughs> and there's, there's the, the playground, you know, and the, the tunnels and the towers and the nets and all the, all the things that they climb on. And, and it was like that for adults. And it was like the most fun environment we had basketball and squishy toys and, and you know big chess uh, pieces and and man so if if we could really take that idea of creativity passion um that that zest for living into the zest for working and and kind of restructure those that real estate the offices from the cubicles you know we were, we were laughing because because my my family has a business downtown and it was cubicles and it was freezing and it was like everybody's got parkas on in Florida and you're just sitting there you know trying to do your work and you're getting coffee after coffee and there's nothing creative there there's not um there's nowhere to go that's kind of creative you're downtown and we could really embrace that change right now and see what happens. That's the problem. We don't know what will happen. What will happen? I think people would love to go out of their home because sometimes our homes are too small. Sometimes we have too many dogs or too many kids or or another partner who's working at home. And it's like, we would love to go to a creative, fun working environment where we feel honored and respected and passionate. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and this is also one of the conversations we were having before the show that the the new thought philosophy is finding its way into those creative spaces and it's finding its way into more popular culture more contemporary culture every day yes. it's just not dressed up as a spiritual belief system any longer uh, i was sharing that i was on a, a fundraising conference uh, webinar recently and uh the presenter i'm just sitting there going well where are you getting your new thought from <laughs> and she was talking about how our thoughts and our beliefs lead to our emotions and how our emotions drive our behaviors and our actions and how we want to tap into that in the people that are donating to our causes and our and organizations and and it was pure new thought but we don't have to go to a church to get in anymore. We don't have to go to the office to, to do our work. And we definitely don't have to go to a physical building to get our spiritual, uh, our spiritual groove on, I guess is what I want to say. Yeah. Well, and you know what has happened? They've, uh, they've out trumped us, right? Because, <laughs> because we know now people have a lot of uh, angst for lack of a better word with religion, traditional religion, given, some of the ways that it's been presented. And so, mm -hmm. you know, th th they're saying, oh, if I can have my cake and eat it too, right? Uh, most companies now have mental health programs and meditation programs and, 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 
and fitness, uh, you know, for cooking and, and exercising, which is basically an all-encompassing new thought without without a, without a, 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 the presence of the source of all things, our spirit, our God, or, or however people want to label uh, all there is, because we know that this didn't just create itself, right? right. And, and, but, but it's, a, but, it, but that, but that idea of a creative source has been so misused and so uh, ill-taught that now people can say, hey, I can, for a little while anyway, I think, because at some point there are going to be points that can't be reconciled and you're going to need to bring spirit back into the picture. <clears throat> For sure. Well, you know, and, and my book, the, the subtitle is The Joy of Integrating Spirit, Mind and Body. And so what you were pointing out, I think, Revzi, is that we as a culture have begun to really embrace that mind body, you know, that's kind of well known now. Meditation is, is, is a word that almost everyone's heard. Mindfulness. I remember when my son was um, really sick and, and some of the brochures they'd hand you at the doctor's office on depression and different things. The last page would be, oh, and you might want to try meditation. Everything else is drugs <laughs> and therapies and different things, you know, psychiatrists, psychologists. And then it would be like, oh, and meditation, you know, and mindfulness, do mindfulness training, meditation training. And so it's it's in, you know, that mind-body, you know, connection. It, it's, it's become really um, well-known. And just what you said, you get to a point that, uh, now you sense and you feel that connection and you know there's something more. And that's spirit. You know, that's when we, that's what you connect with when you're meditating, but they won't tell you that in that brochure. You know, some government rule, you're not allowed to for funding or this or that. But it's like, that's what you'll connect with that deep source, you know, that sense of who I am and what is radiating through me and, and all of that. So it, it's, it's interesting. We're, we're moving in that direction. We're, we're becoming the third or fourth page in the pamphlet rather than just the back page of the pamphlet, right? <laughs> <laughs> we're moving up in you know, decade by decade. And you know, it's, I reflected on this myself recently that, America at one point was very much, and I think very proud of being, quote, a Christian nation. Yeah. But we saw a lot of things that a lot of people said were Christian that did not act very Christ-like. And such the pushback against anything that even remotely appears like organized religion. And... Centers for Spiritual Living, New Thought, Unity, Divine Sight, what's out there. So many of us got lumped into that, I believe. And people didn't, it, it seems like it's a, it's the toughest call in the world. So we have to be, everybody's got to be like uber careful to not sound too religious. And, and so we we don't talk about the places where we're in community. We don't talk about bringing spirit into the workplace. And what we know, however, is it's powerful. It, it, it changes things. And your workplace can become a much more, um, I don't want to say spiritual place, because that's not what its intent is. 
but it can be infused with the philosophy and, and the spiritual aspects of life. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's like trying to understand why I jump off the building and I always hit the ground. Uh, it's like trying to understand life without God. Although you can't see gravity, you know, after one little try that I, ooh, I don't, I don't do that because I know what's going to happen. And so I can do all these other things and try to ignore gravity, but gravity is still there. And, and, and it will make me, uh, uh, comply. Right. And so, uh, the same thing with spirit, it, spirit won't necessarily make you comply because it, it, it understands that you have free will. It was created that way, but it will insist that there are certain laws that yeah. if you put yourself in certain relationships to that law, it has nothing to do with you personally. I'm not mad. I'm not judging you. I'm not doing any of that. It's just that if you put yourself in a certain position to the law, i.e. gravity on this building, and I walk off thinking I'm not going to fall down, ugh, then uh, have a nice day. And so <laughs> we, we, we have to begin to teach or express however we want to say it so that it's more acceptable to people that there is a, as Ernest Holmes says, there is a power in the universe and we can use it. And when we can understand that, we can get beyond these labels of God or Allah or Jehovah or all these things are just some label to make us have a reference point. Right. Uh, but if we get stuck to that reference point, now we still lose perspective because that was, that may have been appropriate in this moment. The next moment, I need to say something else. So we got we got some work work to do in that regard. But we know spirit is always present. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that was a good analogy. I love that. You, you can't you can't see gravity, but you can see the effects. And you know, you can use the same that same idea with love, with compassion. And no one can can grasp it and say, here, let me sell you this jar of compassion, you know, so you can use it. You need it. But but you can see the effects of compassion. I mean, they're doing studies now in the workplace, in um, especially places where you where, where it is pretty dismal to work in. You know, let's just say it's, it's high stress. It's busy. It's it's cubicles. It's it's beige you know it's like, and they're they're doing these studies that come you know being um uh more compassionate more kind more and i'll use the word loving as not obviously we're not talking about any kind of relationship or you know uh love we're talking about this this sense of of the highest compassion for people recognizing that we all have stuff going on at home with our kids, with our parents, with our body, with our health, with, you know, our partner, whatever is it is that everybody's got stuff going on. So why don't we just, you know, come together in what we have to do right now, work or whatever that thing is and support each other, you know, have that supportive environment and you, you can't see loving support, but when you when you're accomplishing it, you see the results in what what we were saying productivity. You see the results in people saying I'm happier at work. You see the results in that there's less turnover. 
in the work environment. I mean, these are proven things where you're not hiring and hiring and training and training and your HR department is like ridiculous. <laughs> it's like people like where they are. I mean, I remember, you know, I guess it was my parents, you know, generation where people stayed in their jobs for 40, 50 years. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know what that statistic is today, but I know a long time ago, it was like, Four years, you know, it's probably like two months now. I don't know. <laughs> well, and it's for me, it's it's the difference between infused and overlay. And when I was in the cubicles, when I was in those corporate settings, and whether it was a sales job or something different, um, they would they would just overlay. Oh, here's a mindfulness. Thing if you want to go to it, but it's at lunch. So you got to give up your lunch to go to the, <laughs> the mindfulness class, or here's this overlay. It We just tried to slap stuff over what was happening to say, well, it's on you if you want to have a more joyous life, be more compassionate, learn about these things a little bit in the workplace where I'm now, I haven't been in a cubicle in a long time. Uh, but hopeful, and I trust that mm. it's becoming more infused. Yeah, like you're saying that people are just I trust are becoming more compassionate simply by having the opportunity, having a, a, an intention behind that uh, in the workplace, rather than a a forced HR program. And here's your <laughs> weekly compassion lesson. Z, I can <laughs> you want to jump in here? And you know, you know, the thing is that. They talk about team and all that, but the physical environment is set up for separation in those cubicles. Mm-hmm. So to get to actually, you you know, and, and, and a lot of people have tried to create this open space, but they still have the cubicles. Um, and so if I want to talk to you, I either have to schedule time in the open space or I got to stand up over the cube. And then if I'm talking to you, I, I, you know, an inspiration hit. And everybody around me saying, be quiet. I can't think. I can't, you know, uh, and 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 so they create this uh, juxtaposition to itself in terms of how do we foster team. But allow people to have their quiet time or separation if you need it. So I kind of feel that the space needs to be different. It needs to be one big open space. And then when you want to go get some quiet time, there's some there are some cubicles over here. You can go go one person, two person, and narrow it down. But really, we want the creative flow to flow. We don't want to stop it at the cubicle. Yeah. And that's and that's that's what's happening, I think, in a lot of places. The the phone booth is making a comeback. I've seen this. It's now a piece of, and I've seen it online. It's a piece of almost uh, mandatory office equipment are phone booths to so that when you're in the open space and you get a phone call, you go to this phone booth. <laughs> so and got a little seat, you close the door, it's all glass. Everybody can see that you're in there talking so nobody interrupts you. But it's kind of crazy. And that for me, I, I, it seems really crazy. The phone booth is making a comeback. <laughs> and you know, the other thing that's interesting that 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 is is I think uh, not inherently new thought, but it's definitely emphasizing new thought a lot. That's now becoming huge is self care. Yeah. Uh, this whole idea now of mental health and self care and all of that is exploding in the workplace, partly because 
uh, people are having a lot of uh, challenges mentally and 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 social space wise, and and they're trying to get the counselors or prayer practitioners, if you will. Um, although prayer practitioner is not a counselor, but they provide an outlet for people to express themselves and, and deal with with uh, pressing issues. Um, but 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 the value of that is going up at the exact same time the practitioners, uh, 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 at least in counseling, are going down. So there's a shortage of counselors. People are waiting three, six months. They just had a story on this on, I don't know, one of the network. And it's like people can't deal with the self-care because we have so compartmentalized, like the little cubicles, our lives, as you were saying earlier, Elizabeth, the integration yeah. has to take place in every aspect of our life, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Then we will be kicking on all cylinders. And, and boy, do we need that right now. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Hey, uh, Linda Plasters is joining in and sharing that corporations in the past tried to incorporate emotional stuff through tools like Myers-Briggs personality testing. Um, yes, been down that road a number of times as well, Emergenetics and other things. Um, and it was a way to incorporate people's awareness of different personality styles. Um, and, um, and that's what I, all that work did really good stuff. But it required everybody to know all of everything because I, I didn't I had to know not only my own personality style, but I had to immediately be able to interpret what your letters meant and what or what your colors meant so that when I walked into your office, I would know how to. So I think we lose some of that. And in some of the younger generations, we need to. In the old days, you didn't show emotion at work. You didn't talk about mental health at work. Yeah. And now everybody knows what the word trigger means. And everybody is more than happy to say, you're triggering me with that behavior right now or that language. I think that that we're on a pendulum. Sometimes we go a little too far one way. Sometimes we got to find that happy medium between self-care and a comprehensive awareness of how I can care for you when you need it, when you're asking for it. And, and you know, like you said, the one thing real quick is, is that they had all these tools, Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram and, and, and Emergenetics, but they were, they weren't integrated. They were, they, they were both on, they were trying oh, to, <laughs> yes, yes. You slap it on your, on your door. So people know coming in the door, but but yeah, it didn't, it didn't flow through all aspects of the organization. Yeah, I think there, there are some tools coming out now. Um, again, you know, the, the, the DBT therapy, dialectical, please don't quote me on this, but <laughs> dialectical behavior therapy, I think it's called. And it's, it's actually a, a, the woman who created it, you know, created it as a therapist um, because like bipolar and and um, like certain personality disorders and things, you know, therapists didn't like treating and did not have a high success rate for treating certain certain things. And she knew this and she actually went somewhere. It wasn't India, but somewhere like that, Thailand, somewhere stayed in a monastery, learned Buddhism 
learn the ideas of non-attachment, learn the ideas of thoughts become things. So what are you thinking? And it's your thoughts about things that are really stressing you out, not necessarily the thing that's happening. The thing that's happening is just happening. (laughs) Your reaction to it is pissing you off or bringing you down or doing these things. So So in this DBT, she teaches um, how to really communicate the th- and, and it, what's amazing is that it's really what we should be teaching our kids in school. It's the simplest things, how to ask for things without demanding them, how to uh, uh, get what you want or what you need or what you think you need and be, um, we were talking about this earlier, reasonable about it, you know, like being reasonable, understanding what is reasonable, because because that means you have to understand how the other person might receive your request to, you know, your your deadline's been moved up two weeks, you know, you're this, and I need it tomorrow, I need it on my desk tomorrow, you know, all these things that, that are so stressful, it's like, at, you know, the way we communicate, and we mentioned, you know, how we support each other in those environments, it means so much because most of us, almost all of us, I'm going to say, unless you have some severe uh, uh, disassociative things going on, we are naturally compassionate. We're naturally caring. We naturally um, sense something in the other person that is like us, you know, whether we're at work or, you know, all these situations. And so, those things I think are coming, you know, they're, and, and we know the nonviolent communication, which they've changed. I'm so happy to, 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 um, isn't nonviolent. It's, it's compassionate communication now, you know, it really describes what it is, not what it isn't. And it's, it's powerful. And when we start bringing that to our kids, then our kids get to bring that into their young adult lives, into their, their work environment, into their, um, leadership environments as they become, you know, owners and founders of, of, of corporations and businesses and things like that. So start, you know, start young. <laughs> and and given given what's in the news today about a 21 year old taking sensitive, secret military documents and placing them in a chat room on a gaming device. Uh, speaks to the idea that we have to push this information down as soon as possible and get people to, to again, as, as you say, Doc, uh, 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 Elizabeth, to, to, to integrate these things into their lives, not to have these little compartments that you think you can move around in and it won't be detected. And when mm-hmm. we can do that, everything will be better. That's <clears throat> true. True. My understanding is that young men, uh, in many ways was uh, was bragging was was in a a cycle of trying to prove to the other people in that that small community that he would he was much more powerful maybe than he was than they thought or so and that comes the other part that I'm hearing is that he was being bullied in these gaming chat rooms and so started releasing oh yeah well look at what I got and trying to prove himself and at 21 right we should not my opinion is that's not a time where we need to be proving to anybody that we're valuable those are the years where we should there if we're brought up 
knowing we're valued, knowing that who we are matters, knowing that we're making a difference just by being a compassionate, loving person on the planet, uh, then we, we, we're not going to end up with these types of situations. Right. I think uh, we're, you know, we talk a lot on this program, folks, you know, about guns and the gun problem in America. And yes, I call it a problem. Uh, and uh, And we're right there in that same thing. If we bring more people up with more sense, a deeper sense of compassion, a deeper sense of integrating these belief systems into our lives, we're going to eliminate that problem. Absolutely. Uh, it's it's just going to kind of go away. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Well, you know, I mean, yeah. It, it's like if you, but it's amazing because we grew up in this culture where we. You know, it's like work hard, prove yourself, compete, you know, not create. We, we teach our kids, you know, my, my son's 19 now. He's a sophomore in college and he still has to, you know, regurgitate everything that he's been taught. Like he, he doesn't get to decide how flawed or perfect it is or, you know, how it fits into society, these teachings. No, it's like just say what you learned, <laughs> spit it out, get the grade go on and I'm okay. I mean, you know, I'm not okay with it, but I'm, I'm okay that that we know that's the system right now, but at some point when it shifts and we're actually teaching creativity, you know, um, being unique, understanding yourself at these young ages, not competing, not when Sally gets an A and you got a C it's like being it's like, it's, it's like, these are her gifts. These are your gifts. These are his gifts. Let's, let's just, call them out as we, you know, like having, but then you have compassionate teachers who were willing to see the uniqueness in all children and not have them bound to the standard, which is A, B, C, D, F, you know, and those things, I, I tell my son all the time, I'm like, pick one problem, just one. You got a boatload to pick from, but pick one and, and create with your friends some solutions. around. And you know, the, the funny thing here that you brought to mind is like when we look at traditionally uh, what college was, liberal arts, right? That was the purpose. It was the liberal arts because they made sure up front that you got the the basics at that the reading, writing, and arithmetic, if you will. And, the, and, and, and then they allowed you to integrate that stuff to a problem, not just get the grade. It was a way, how do I take math and science and reading? excuse me, in writing and social studies and apply this again integratively to a problem. That's what created the Renaissance. That's what created, you know, the Enlightenment period. That very idea of integrating all this knowledge back to its whole, we had to separate it to, to look at the difference between chemistry and biology. But sure. in reality, you can't separate them because they're one thing. Chemistry affects biology. Biology affects chemistry. And when we can begin to see that in every arena, socially, economically, uh, resource-wise, we are going to be way ahead of the game. And I think now New Thought is bringing that idea back to the forefront for us to say, yes, let's get busy. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I uh, We're going to have to wrap this up here soon, folks, but we're having so much fun. Uh, you reminded me there's a... Any of those old trite phrases have become for me just so somebody says, oh, we work hard and we play hard. Yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, 
that's abusive. That, that ain't how, that's not how it's supposed to be, right? It's, it's not, because then if we work hard and play hard, there's very little room for compassion. Yeah, there's very little room for, for, and oftentimes the play hard becomes obligatory on the weekends and after, and after work. So no, you're just taking more of my time. <laughs> you're not giving me space to be with my family. You're not giving me space to go out and enjoy a hobby or do something else. Life in, if we're not careful, can become one thing can become all consuming. Yeah. And if it's a job or if it's our work, if it's our income, um, I think that's why your folks are sitting here looking at a few people that don't do any of that uh, <laughs> because we've learned over time to, to, you can't work hard, play hard and create work-life balance at the same time. And the work-life balance needs to be flexible, not just, oh, here's your, your half hour of, of life balance for the day. Or we don't yell too loud when you take a, a doctor, take off for a doctor's appointment. What a great conversation. This has been fun. Let's do this. Let's do, um, we need to say hello and thank you to our sponsors and our donors and let them get a little bit of love here. And then we'll come back with our final thoughts and wrap this up for the morning. So folks, don't go anywhere. Stay with us. We're just going to take one minute to say thank you to our donors and sponsors. Stay tuned. Please help us say thank you to our organizational sponsors and donors, including the Hefferlin Foundation. Affiliated New Thought Network, International New Thought Alliance, Science of Mind Archives and Library Foundation, Center for Spiritual Living Denver, Center for Spiritual Living Midtown Atlanta, New Thought Philadelphia, Planned Happiness Institute, Summit Center for Spiritual Living, Center for Spiritual Living on the Lake, Unity Spiritual Center Kitchener, Ohm Center for Spiritual Living, Center for Spiritual Living, North Jersey, Unity of Savannah, Center for Spiritual Living, Seattle, and all of our individual donors and sponsors. Thank you for being a part of the New Thought Media Network. Please come be you. And folks, if you'd like to become a part of the New Thought Media Network, please head on over to our website, ntmedia.org, click on the donate button and uh, drop a little something in the kitty, help us make sure we can get this message out far and wide all across the planet. If you've got something you'd like us to cover on the new on this show, please send us an email, ministertalk at ntmedia.org. If you have someone you'd like to see us bring on to the show or a conversation you'd like us to have, let us know. We'd love to hear from you at that email address as well. All right. Final thoughts for the day. Let's get our Friday kicked off. Uh, Rev Z, how about if we give this to you first? Well, I mean, uh, I think for me, the the, the the most important thing that we've talked about the, the day was we need to integrate so we can coordinate. Oh. <laughs> he always makes this tough on everybody else. <laughs> Say it again, Z. <laughs> Integrate so we can coordinate. There we go. All right. Reverend Dr. Elizabeth, how about for you today? I can't top that. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, how about that? Just ditto. Just like absolutely. And um, 
just thank you guys. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you for being with us. We're glad you're here. Again, folks, remember Reverend Dr. Elizabeth's uh, new program, Living Enlightened, on New Thought Media Network, premieres on Thursday morning, April 27th at 7 a.m. Mountain Time. She'll be with us every week at the, in that time frame. So like, share, subscribe, tell your friends what we're doing and plan to join us for that program on Thursday mornings. For me, um, the word today is definitely compassion. And I think that's, uh, for me, that's definitely one of the most important pieces of all of this is to approach everyone we encounter uh, with a deep, deep sense of compassion uh, for them, for ourselves, for the human experience. And so we invite you this weekend to go out there and, uh, and start that. If you're not already, uh, go start being compassionate. Yeah, not right. as an overlay, as an infused. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No more overlays. Lots of infusion. Uh, like that too. Cool. All right. We've got a full day of programming here, folks. Coming up next uh, in just a couple minutes, Be Your Own Hero with Sekou Writes. Our morning prayers are at 8.15. 8.30 is the morning sip with Rev. Melissa. 9 o'clock, Spanish language programming with Emma Moreno. She does a great Spanish program there. Uh, at 10 o'clock, it's Practicing Infinite Possibilities with Lindsay Leinbach. The Joy Show is at 1 p.m. with Reverend Barbara Schreiner Trudell. I'll be back at 5 with the good news. And Reverend Michael will be here with the Fireside Chat at 6 p.m. Mountain Time. All that leads up to our 8.15 evening prayers as well. So thank you for being with us. We love you. Wish you all the best. And until next time, wish you peace and richest blessings. Bye now.